0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's Sunday Morning Messages. Our podcast records a Sunday morning sermon from our pastor, Dr. Don Trust, other church leaders, and special guests. We hope you enjoy it, find it inspirational, and enlightening to your understanding of the Bible. Life can be hard, but God has revealed himself to us through the Word for our salvation and growth as believers. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfc4you.org.
1: Some of y'all have been here for a while. You've probably heard me say it again before, but back around Amarillo, Texas, there's no preacher who went out and it was a big snowstorm. Nobody showed up. Finally, as he's about to give up, one old cowboy rode up and sat down. And the preacher said, should I go ahead? And the cowboy said, yes. If I went out to feed the cows and one showed up, I'd sure feed it. And so the preacher started all the hymns, even the announcements, and preached for over two hours. And as he left, he went down and shook the cowboy's hand and said, how was that? And the cowboy said, that was great. But if I went out to feed one cow, I wouldn't have given him the full load. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> um, okay, a few weeks ago, uh, I was just listening to something I listen to every once in a while, the Bob Wilkins podcast, and he did a series on uh, Habakkuk, as we call it. He pronounced it Habakkuk. Uh, and I thought it had a lot to say to us today. In the past, I've done brief studies on this book two different times and consider it kind of flyover territory of the minor prophets uh, when you compare it to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. Uh, but I found that it has more significance than I thought on further examination. It was written around 605 B.C. The northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen uh, to the Assyrians and the Babylonian Empire, who in the Bible were called the Kel- um Caledonians were a growing threat to Judah, the southern kingdom. Habakkuk was a contemporary also of Nahum, who prophesied against Assyria, Zephaniah, and Jeremiah. His writing is one of the two that is written in first-person accounts of all the prophets, the other being Jonah. Uh, The book of Habakkuk uh, dealt with his questioning the actions or inactions of God and the resolutions of these questions in ways that marries the book of Job. But the book of Job was written twelve to 1,500 years previously. But this book is also in style written as a chiasma, or as a work building to a central statement and then further expanding on it. Rather, as I said in my notes, like an hourglass in words, out down to the central point and then back out on explanations. And it ends in poetry. Apparently meant to be set to music. Uh, the commentator Hannah in his commentary said, "We are godly peop- uh, What are godly people to do when the moral and spiritual fabric of their nation is being ripped apart, and political and social structures are disintegrating? This is the problem that is addressed by Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk now presents his first problem." And we open to the book of Habakkuk, and we'll read through verse 4 to start with. The the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. How long, O Lord, will I call for help? And thou wilt not hear. I cry out to thee, thee, violence, yet thou dost not save. Why dost thou make me see iniquity, and cause me to uh, look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists, and contention arises; therefore, the law ignored, and the justice is never upheld; for the wicked surround the righteousness, therefore justice comes out perverted. The prophet sees all of the evil that surround him in Judah, uh, and Judah has fallen far from God. Josiah, the last king to follow God, had died thirty years before, approximately. And since then, there's been nothing but kings who were were evil. And as opposed to other Old Testament prophets who proclaimed divine judgment, Habakkuk pleaded for divine judgment, asked for God to come and correct things. Where are you, God, and why are you tolerating this? Was his question. And the answer is given next by God in... Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11, where he says, Look among the nations, observe, be astonished and wonder, because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe if you were told. For behold, I am rising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. The horses are swifter. Their horses are swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. The horsemen come galloping and the horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour and all of them come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings and rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and heap up rubble to capture it. Then they will sweep through like wind and pass on, and they will be held guilty. They they whose strength is in their small God. God is doing something. He was raising up a means of correcting Judah, the uh, Babylonians. At the same time, as I skip forward, I sometimes am going to go to the application early, at least part of it, and, uh, we're going to start with a quote from J. Vernon McGee, one of my favorite theologians to read. And he says, today the world, what, uh, today the world asks, why doesn't God do something about sin? My f- friend, God has done something about it. Over 1900 years ago, he gave his son to die. He intruded into the affairs of the world and he says that he's going to intrude again into the affairs of the world. Yet today goes merrily along. Picking daisies and having a good time in sin. But God is moving. The Jews of that day did not believe that God would allow defeat. In other words, completely preserve that. He would completely preserve them. And they ignored their prophets who warned them. Had Habakkuk noticed closely, God gave the answer to his next question at the end of verse 11, where he says, um, and they will be held guilty. But Habakkuk did follow with this second question. His, what Basically, his question in summary is, but God, they're worse than us. That's not good to have them swoop down on us. But then God says, Art there not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? Thou, We will not die. Thou, O Lord, hast appointed them to judge. And thou, O oh, thy rock, has established them and correct, to correct. Thine eyes are too pure to approve uh, evil, and thou canst look, canst look on wickedness with favor. Why dost thou look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Uh, why art thou silent when wicked, uh, wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Why hast thou made men? like the fish of the sea, like creeping things without a ruler over them. The Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook and drag them away with their net, and they gather them in their fishing net. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they offer a sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their fishing net. Because uh, through these things their catch is large and their food is plentiful will they therefore empty their net and continuously slay nations without sparing? It was a tradition among the Chaldeans when they had captives to put a hook through their lip and put them in a chain as they were marching them out of town. And that's the uh, part of the analogy that he's speaking of here. And they worshiped a net, a picture of a net as part of their god too, where they knew that they could just throw out and cast slaves and bring them in. With a net, and that's the statement that Habakkuk is referring to here. But these are mean and powerful villains. Isn't this correction too much, according to Habakkuk? Will uh, will they spare any of your chosen people? Aren't they too dangerous for this job? The Babylonians were idol worshippers and materialistic, honoring their own power and works over over God. The theologian Blue points out that idolatry is not limited to those who bring sacrifices or burn incense to inanimate objects. People of position, power, and prosperity often pay homage to the business or agency that provides their coveted status. It becomes their constant obsession, even their God. Then we can go on to chapter 2 and 1 through 3. I will stand on my guard and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch and see what we will speak, what he will speak to me, how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who uh, reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it is certain, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Habakkuk, after his second question, uh, went what they call to the watchtower. That's just a symbol. He waited and watched and waited for an answer for God. And God said, get ready to hear and get ready to broadcast this answer. And then we go back to chapter four and five. Behold, for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man, so what he does not uh, so that he does not stay at home, he enlarges his appetite like heel, and he is like death, never satisfied, and he also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all people. There is a distinction between the Jews here and the Babylonians. The Jews did have a remnant of godly faith, and there will be some of them salvaged. The the Babylonians, who have no faith in God, will be condemned. And according to the Nelson Study Bible, the Babylonians' problem was pride, the source of all sin. Verse 4 is cited three times in the New Testament. That's the one where it says, of uh, but the righteous will live by his faith first of all in uh romans 117 for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith as it is written but the righteous shall live by faith then galatians 311 paul writes and now no one is justified by the law because god is evident for the righteous Man shall live by faith. And then finally over in Hebrews uh, 10.38, uh, where it says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if uh, he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. In Romans, of these three key words, the emphasis is on righteousness. In Galatians, the stress is on to live to live with righteousness. And last, in Hebrews, the word is on faith. Uh, the emphasis is on faith. Wearsby said that it takes three books in the New Testament to explain and apply this one verse. But this verse is the central theme of the book of Habakkuk, the central point of the chiasma that I mentioned a while ago. Uh, Hodge said that faith is the persuasion of truth Founded on testimony, and for the Christian, that testimony is recorded in the Scriptures as the memory of God. Then we can go on down into further into chapter two, uh, five through twenty, uh, goes ahead and explains uh, all the evil uh, that has filled the earth from the Chaldeans, uh, and I'll read a couple of select verses. To, not read the whole thing. Because you have looted many nations, all the remainder of the people will loot you because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land. And then in uh, verse 19, Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, Awake to a dumb stone. Arise, and that is your teacher. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. In this part of Habakkuk, God is spending uh, 15 verses saying what he's going, why the Chaldeans were guilty and, uh, it, and passing judgment on them. Uh, the nation of Babylon is condemned and sentenced for exploiting greed, uh, for explo- exploitation, greed, idolatry, and all the other grievous acts that they had committed. In the midst, though, of this condemnation, we are reminded that God is still in control. We can go back to a couple of other verses in this same section. In chapter 2, verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That is in between all this condemnation that we've been reading. And again, the end of that chapter, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. The Chaldeans have no um, defense against a holy God. And it seems that Israel will be corrected severely. But ultimately, Babylon will be destroyed. Uh, and God promised it. And now we can move on to chapter 3. Uh, Habakkuk has asked us two questions. And God has said, okay, yeah, I'm going to correct Israel and number two, when that's done, I'm going to correct the one who corrects Israel, and they're going to get it worse. But Habakkuk understood this, and most of chapter 3 is poetry meant to be sung. I'm not going to do that, but that's what it was meant for. Um, uh, let's go ahead and read, first of all, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shuganok. God, I have heard the report about Thee, and I fear. O Lord, revive Thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. Uh, In wrath, remember mercy. Sigynoth is actually a musical term, which means praise with emotion and uh, with impassioned triumph. Verse 2 is actually the only real prayer with a request by Habakkuk where he's saying, in the midst of your years, make it known. And in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk 3 through 17 are praises to God. And I think it's worth reading them. God comes from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. Selah here just means be quiet and think about it for a minute. Again, part of the hymn structure. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand, and there is the hiding of his power. Before he goes, pestilence, the plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and, start, looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways were everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushion. Under duress, the tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was thine anger against the rivers? Or was thy wrath against the sea? That he did ride on horses and thy chariots of salvation. The bow was made bare. The rod of chastisement was sworn. Selah. And thou did cleave the earth with rivers. And the mountains saw thee and uh, quaked. The downpour of rivers swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice and lifted high its hands. Sun and moon in their places, they went away at the uh, light of thine arrows and the radiance of the gleaming spear. In indignation thou did march through the earth, in anger thou did trample the nations, thou did go forth from uh, for the salvation of the people, for the salvation of thine appointed, thou didst strike the head uh, of the evil to lay him open from thigh to neck, Selah. Thou didst pierce with its own spears the head of his throngs and stormed in to scatter us. Thou, their ex- exaltation was like those who devour the oppressed and didn't travel on the sea. Uh, with thy horses on the surge of many waters. I heard and in my inward part tremble at the sound of my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and my place. I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Habakkuk uh, here, is, this is a praise to God. This praise is marked as a song, is an essential part of the acknowledgement of God's power and Habakkuk's fear of God. Thus, 3 through 7 show God's awesome appearances. But 8.15 show God's angry actions toward His enemies. And 13 understands the relationship of God to His people and why God had not uh, forgotten the Jews. In 13 it says... Thou did go forth from salvation of thy people. And then in 16 through 19, uh, the end of the prayer, uh, I have heard my inward parts tremble, at the sound of my lips quivered. The K enters my bones, and in this place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, and there will be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olives shall fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock shall be cut off from the field, and there shall be no cattle in the stalls. And yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like a uh, hind's feet, and make me walk on my high places. At the end of his prayer, Habakkuk acknowledged that he must wait for the invasion of Judah. And physically, things are going to get worse. The fruit trees aren't going to bear. The cattle aren't going to be there to eat. There's going to be starvation. But he has to acknowledge that God is still God and is still with his people. Again, another quote from Wearsby on one of his commentaries. He says, over the years, I have learned three verses. That have helped me wait patiently on the Lord, stand still from Exodus fourteen thirteen, sit still from Ruth three eighteen, and be still from Psalm forty six ten. Whenever we find ourselves getting churned up within, we can be sure that we need to stop, pray, and wait on the Lord before we do some stupid things. And then, in conclusion, there is verse nineteen, which says, "The Lord God is my strength." And he has made my feet like kind's feet and makes me walk uh, on my high places. We look around the world today and see corruption, violence, and innumerable moral failings. And according again to Wiersbe, Habakkuk teaches us to face our doubts and questions honestly and wait for his word to teach us and then worship him no matter how we feel or what we see. What's our response? Pray and wait for Jesus to return and correct the wrongs that we see in our time today. Let's pray. Our dear God, we do praise you and know that you're in charge of this world. You're in charge of each of us and even the evil that's around. You're in charge of the world even though there is evil around us. Help us to remember to not to forget to pray and that you are coming back. Help each other be ready for that time. If we pray in Christ's name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sunday message. We hope your understanding increased and maybe discovered one or two things you can use to improve your relationship to God and to fellow believers. If you aren't a member of a local church, we invite you to come check out Bible Fellowship Church.